We're going to read 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, I'm skipping the first few verses um, on purpose. I might come back and read a little bit of them in a minute. I'm picking up in verse 10. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it's been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people. You can just imagine everybody looking around the room at Chloe's people. What? (laughs) That there is rivalry among you. What I'm saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God that I baptized none of you, except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, he's remembering as he's writing, you can see, I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't recall if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. And then you can see verse 31. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There's a lot of verses that we left out in there. Uh, And actually all of chapters one through three kind of all go together as one thing. So we'll kind of be hitting things over the next three weeks on that. But there are barriers that this church is facing to being a unified people. To being a people that can genuinely love one another, encourage one another, build together and represent Jesus together. You know that the way we relate to one another actually speaks very loudly to the world around us of Jesus. And sometimes the way we speak about one another misrepresents Jesus to the world around us. And sometimes the way we speak about one another really glorifies Jesus. I think we all want to be in the latter category of the way we relate with and speak to one another and about one another would glorify Jesus. And people would say, if this is what Jesus is like, I want your Jesus. That's what we're seeing happening right now in Turkey and in Syria, where the Christians are loving people that they have deep disagreements with theologically and actually ministering even to people who have kept them as outcasts. And now as people are in trouble and in desperate need, the church is feeding the hungry and building shelters for those that don't have any. And it's testifying very loudly. People are hearing through the way they are treating one another and to the way they are treating even outsiders. It's amazing. So what are the barriers that we run into? Let's go to the next slide. The first barrier that we see here is actually denominationalism. That is a big word. Denominationalism. When we talk about like dollar bills, $5 bills, $10 bills, they'll talk about denominations of money. And you can just split them out into stacks. And you can see the ones, the fives, the tens, 
the 20s, etc. Really not good if we start saying, well, I only want the ones, I don't want any of the fives. You have to have a lot of ones to get anything done, <laughs> especially with inflation. Lots and lots and lots of ones. Denominationalism starts saying, well, my ones are better than my fives. My fives are better than my tens. You know, the, the 20s, woo, that's where the gifts are. You're flashing 20s and 50s and 100s, right? That's, that's, now you're talking big time. Denominationalism says we're going to split them apart and we're not really relating together. The church was actually dividing, forming factions and rivalries in a strange way. I know we never have rivalries and factions within the church today. Never happens. Or among churches, between churches. I have heard plenty of my friends in ministry spoken against and belittled and demeaned by well-meaning Christians. And I think if they talk to others the way they talk to me about that other church, Jesus is being badly misrepresented. We're not called to faction off and be thinking of ourselves as superior than, better than another. Things, things that we tend to divide over. Tongues or no tongues. Prophecy or no prophecy. Women preaching or no women preaching. Full immersion baptism versus sprinkling. Believer's baptism versus infant baptism. And we start to think the way we do it, it's not just like, oh, we think this makes more sense theologically. We start to make ourselves superior than those who do it and think differently than us. And the body of Christ starts to fragment. I'm of Paul, said some of the church in Corinth. I'm of Paul. Likely, this would have been a predominantly Gentile group within the church. They would be accused of tending to err on the side of licentiousness. There's another big word, basically meaning excusing sin. Paul himself would be accused of that. And some in Corinth, as you read this letter, were doing exactly that. They were excusing sin, even like really horrible stuff. And you're like, we're under grace. Some would say, I'm of Paul. Some would say, I'm of Apollos. This was likely a very philosophical group. Apollos was from Alexandria, Egypt. And the church in Alexandria was known for its over-intellectualism and tendency to over-intellectualize everything. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. This was likely mostly a Jewish group that could tend toward legalism and trying to get people back into the law in order to be pleasing to Christ or welcomed fully into the church. Now we could keep going. You know how it happens today? I'm of Destination Church. I'm of Fellowship Church. I'm of First Pres. I'm of St. Pat's. I'm of Regents Beyond. I'm of Steve Oliver. I'm of Calvin, I'm of Luther, I'm of Wesley, I'm of McPherson. And you're like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who half those people are. That's okay. Those are all big, powerful names through church history. This doesn't mean that every denomination is wrong and we shouldn't have them. But denominational boasting is wrong. Superiority to other 
members, other parts of the family of the church is wrong. Families and subcultures within the larger body of Christ is actually normal and okay. You know, when they talk about the people of Israel, it was made up of 12 different tribes. Some of those tribes had different accents than others. They had different family cultures and traditions, but they were all Israel together. They were all the people of God together. And even those tribes began to break down, and in, in not, not in a breakdown sense, in a family relational sense, into clans within tribes, an extended family within clans. Gideon's a great example of that in Judges chapter 6, where Gideon is the son of Joash, who is an Abiezrite. Hey, anybody know about the Abiezrites? I'm seeing like blank looks and shakes of the head. The Abiezrites, they're part of Manasseh. They're part of the tribe of Manasseh. Oh, there were clans and they hung out together and they had their own cultures and it was okay. Different accents, cultures, expressions, preferences, that's all fine. But there's just one Jesus. And we need to be able to rally around Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, backing up. This is the beginning of the letter as Paul greets the church. To the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints. Is it just Corinth who's called as saints? No. Called as saints with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both their Lord and ours. You hear that? The people in Corinth, all the different factions and rivalries within their church are called as saints with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That means the church down the street that calls on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is your brothers and sisters my brothers and sisters, the church in Turkey, the church in Syria, those are your brothers and sisters, just as much as the church down the street. Second barrier, the opposite of denominationalism, but only kind of. Second barrier is independence. It's like extreme denominationalism, where your denomination is you, (laughs) you I'm of Christ now that sounds good on the surface doesn't it and it's entirely possible that in the in the Greek rarely is it is it interpreted this way but in in the Greek it could possibly mean that Paul is saying you're all saying I'm of Paul I'm of Apollos I'm of Cephas but even me Paul I'm of Christ it's possible but not likely. It's much more likely that what's being addressed is a group of Christians who are literally like, I have Jesus and I don't really need you. I don't really need the church. So it's true that you are of Christ, right? Yes, it is true. You are of Christ. It's just not the whole truth. 
I was reading uh, on the, well, I was reading on Fox News this morning, and I was hearing about one of the major trials going on and how the defendant in the trial uh, was caught in a lie because where he said he was, it was his alibi for murders, he wasn't. And they've got him on video in the place where the murders happened within minutes of, and his whole alibi falls apart. And then you know what he says? Well, yeah, I wasn't honest about that because I didn't want you to know that I was there, but I am honest about the rest of it. It's kind of hard to believe somebody when they're not telling you the whole truth. In fact, he wasn't really telling the truth at all. The whole truth is this. You're also part of the family. You are of Christ. You're, you're saved and you're, you're, you're baptized into the name of Christ. We'll get there in a minute. But you're also part of the family. You and we are designed for interdependence. 1 Corinthians 12, 20 and 21 that we hit. We did a whole message on this on October 30th. You could go back and find it on the podcast, Beautiful Diversity. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. The parts of the body that you consider to be weaker than you are indispensable. And you might think, like Gideon, I'm the least of the least of the least. My family's the least in the clan. My clan is the least in the tribe of of Manasseh. Like, I'm just the least of the least. God's word says you are indispensable too. You are indispensable. And it's high time you started thinking of yourself that way. And it's high time you started thinking of the person sitting next to you and across the room from you in the same way. You and they are indispensable. It's high time we start looking at the church, not just destination church, in the same way. Indispensable. I had a friend. He's been, his, his uh, church uh, closed. It was a horrible struggle for him and his family. I'm trying to lead him through that, lead him back into a place of strength and moving forward for himself. And through the process, he said, I realized there are entire massive groups within the body of Christ that I have been speaking against and judging. He said, I'm realizing who am I to say that the gift they are to the body, I have no need of. Ooh. And I was just like, if that was it, even if that was the only thing that came out of all of the struggle that he went through, this is massive. It's massive. He's just recognizing they matter. They are a gift. Jesus is present in the church. Capital C Church. Guys, healthy freedom does not lead us into isolation, isolationism, but to interrelation. It's why we commit to be a part of things with other churches in town, and we'll continue to do that, and why we connect around the world while we are active right here. Last, last barrier. <laughs> Not the last barrier. The last barrier in this passage. <laughs> 
The last barrier that we're talking about is baptism over gospel. Baptism over gospel. Paul starts saying, were you baptized into Paul? And then these crazy statements like, I'm so glad I didn't baptize any of you. So you can't say that. You know, and then he's like, oh yeah, I, I did baptize these guys and I did baptize these guys. But for him to even say, I don't even remember if I baptized any of the rest of you. That, that's saying something coming from Paul, the apostle. I don't even remember if I baptized you. Really? I once had a, a, a Catholic priest get a hold of me from uh, back east, the eastern United States. And he contacted me because someone I had baptized, who I literally did not remember, someone I had baptized years before, had moved back east and was attending the church. And this church leader sent me a very formal letter uh, because they needed to verify that his baptism was legitimate. But what that meant was he needed to know what my credentials were as the person doing his baptism, because if I wasn't qualified, then his baptism would be null and void. And if the, the things that we said over him didn't fit all of the right things, it had to be very prescriptive what had been pronounced over him at his baptism, otherwise it was considered invalid. H- had to sign of what I had said, verifying I had, val- I had baptized him and I had... Uh, spoken, I told him, here's exactly what we said. And, uh, and then I had to have it notarized on the paper. It said, swearing before God that I'm being uh, honest and forthright. Took it to the bank to have it notarized, and the notary was offended. <laughs> Deeply offended that this would even be a thing within the church, and shocked that I would comply. But you know what? I did comply. And I, told, I was like, this is a great opportunity to share. Like, this is, this is what we teach on baptism, and this is how we do it. And, and I thought, great, I'll sign to this. And I have no idea what happened. I tried to contact the guy. Uh, no clue. I don't know. I just thought, wow, this is still a thing. Were you baptized by the right people in the right place? Another group of churches that I related with uh, required this exclusive phrase that I do not actually believe. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. And I was like, I just had little, little hang-ups with it. I was like, well, I don't actually believe that Father, Son, and Spirit is our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the Trinity. I'm not a Unitarian. I'm not, like, I just... But you couldn't, your baptism wasn't valid unless it had been said exactly that way. And they would rebaptize people to make sure that it was said the way they thought it should be said. Thankfully, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> we worked through that. Well, um, excuse me. Others will withhold communion unless you've been baptized by them with the right method and the right formula. You know what Paul says? Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, did he baptize? Yes. 
Did Apollos? Did Cephas? Yes, they did. Did other people that they sent out baptize? Yes. Did they want to ensure that people were baptized? Yes, they did. Paul says, I came not to baptize. Jesus didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with eloquent wisdom so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. We want people depending on Jesus. We want people's focus to be Christ Jesus. You can see it on the screen. It doesn't matter who baptized you. It matters that you have been baptized into Christ. Christ is our rallying cry. Christ is our unifying factor. Is the gospel we preach reflected in the message we're preaching through our lives to one another? When Cameron comes in two weeks, Cameron's going to speak about that. The gospel of Jesus Christ includes the folly, not really, in quotes, the folly of Christ crucified. I'm just going to read this. For the word of the cross, this is verse 18 in chapter 1. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. It's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where's the one who's wise? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is why we boast in the Lord. If we're going to boast in anything, we boast in the Lord who saves us in our imperfections and the people in the church down the street with their imperfections. And those of us sitting across the rows from each other in all of our imperfections. Our identity, who we are, is this. We're brothers and sisters together in Christ. More than being a part of Destination Church, more than being a part of regions beyond or whatever church we were baptized in. Most of you were not baptized here. More than whoever baptized you in whatever Christian tradition you came from, more than any of that, we are in Christ. We are family together in Christ, an interdependent body. Yes, beautiful diversity, Sometimes we shake our heads at each other and go, wow, you are really diverse. (laughs) But we need one another. And we need the other expressions of the family and body of Christ in our neighborhood, in our city, and across this nation and the nations of the world. And my prayer is that the way we speak about one another, the way we speak about the church in our city, and the way we speak and act toward one another would reflect Christ. Can we say amen to that? Yeah.
We can say amen and then go, oh, Jesus, help us. And I'm putting myself right in that. Oh, Jesus, help me. I recognize, we all recognize, there are aspects of how, pick your church, including this one. Guarantee there's aspects of how we actually do things that don't quite measure up to scripture. And we're working on it. But can we give the same benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt to the church down the street? They're working on it. Jesus is working on them even more than they're working on it. Father, we lift your church up to you, including this one. Lord, we want to represent you well, not divide over our distinctives, but celebrate. Lord, you are the one who places the parts of the body as you see fit. You give gifts to your church. You give us as gifts to your church. And Lord, we need your help. We need your help to love. Even just to love one another is not easy. But then to represent you in the nations and to represent you in the city, to represent you in the neighborhood, Lord, we need your help. But Lord, you give your help so freely. And we just thank you for the power of the cross of Christ. Lord, you can reconcile the irreconcilable. You've done it. You've done it. You've reconciled us to yourself. You've taken those who were born sinners and you've called us saints. You have done it. Lord, we celebrate that. We celebrate your power and the way you build a body and the way you make us sons and daughters. So Lord, have your way in us. If you're willing, just say that to the Lord. Lord, have your way in me. I pray in Jesus' name.